Hi, everybody. Welcome to Howard David Live. We kick it off on a Wednesday with the radio uh, voice. Actually, he and Sean Grandy broadcasting Celtics basketball on Celtics radio is Cedric Cornbread Maxwell. So this finals on the NBA, it's nothing strange to you. Uh, I, I, I would ask you the obvious, what's your most memorable? And probably would have to be the 1981 finals when Celtics won, but you won the MVP. What an honor. Yeah, that was uh, that was really special. But you know, even then, winning the MVP, I think it might have been more special in 1984, beating the Lakers uh, in the finals in the seventh game. That was that was just. I think that was a little bit more uh, cream in the coffee uh, once we beat those those guys because I hated them that much. <laughs> you hated the Lakers more than the Philadelphia 76ers. I'm surprised. Well, you know, we saw Philly all the time, but I think at that time that the whole L.A. Laker, they wanted to be the dynasty and, you know, they were playing against the Celtics. So there was probably more satisfaction in that and beating Magic in that team than there was even beating Dr. J. When you look at this matchup, most people that are casual basketball fans would say, well, the Warriors should win this series. I don't know. I'm not I'm not ready to make that declaration just yet. Uh, I know where your loyalty is, but if I suggested that the the outcome of the Boston Miami series, how much did it take out of the Celtics in terms of physically? Well, I think anytime you play a, a grueling seven games, it's going to take something out of you. Uh, I think if you look at Boston when they played Milwaukee in a bruising uh, seven game series but but what happens teams adjust and uh, you know and, and, and because you play the physical series sometimes you get that much more practical experience out of it more game timing out of it so sometimes as much as it kind of takes away from you physically I think mentally it makes you that much tougher when you play on the next play to the next series when you looked at the um, the the Boston Miami matchup, both teams excellent defensive teams, but Golden State doesn't get the credit that I think it deserves. I think their defense is underrated. Yeah, I, b- I believe it is. Uh, you know that when you think about how they are, and you got Draymond Green has been a defensive player of the year. I think they move well on the defensive end. Uh, I don't think Clay Thompson gets enough credit defensively. But uh, I think Celtics, to me, still are the, of the two teams, they're the better defensive team. We, um, when you look at Boston's Maxwell, uh, Marcus Smart, you see a great defensive player who can also knock down shots. You've got to believe that he's going to be ma- matched up with, uh, with Steph Curry. And on the other side, you've got to believe that Jason Tatum is going to be followed closely by Andrew Wiggins. Yes? Yeah, I think that would be the matchups that you would see. But you're going to have multiple looks. I think Marcus will start off on him. But the thing that the Celtics have, I think, is, is even better is the fact that defensively, if you switch from one, one guy to the other, you're not really going – it's not that much of a downgrade defensively. If I have Grant Williams and Marcus Smart and they're making that switch against Curry, Grant Williams has enough quickness and enough savvy to stay in front of Curry. So I like the defensive – ability that Celtics have in this series a lot more than I like Golden State. The first series the Celtics played against Brooklyn was really not a series. It was it was a four-game sweep. 
Uh, I don't know that anybody was terribly. You know, look, look, Howard, you say that, but you know that the the final margin that the Celtics beat them by was like sixteen points total. Yeah. So as much as people would say, "Oh my God, they swept them," and it was this, that, and the other, it was they were close games. Uh, but it it just seemed like you know the way the Celtics dominated defensively that everything seemed to go their way. Well, you all you only all you have to do is start at game one. I mean, the Celtics give up a bucket, at, you know, at the buzzer, basically, that could have been fixed. Uh, I mean, the, the Brooklyn Nets gave up a, a bucket that, I mean, Kyrie Irving could have defended it. Kevin Durant could have defended it. They didn't. Celtics win the game. And you're right. I mean, every game uh, was decided by just a few points. It wasn't a blowout in any stage. But you look at Golden State, they beat Denver in five. They beat Memphis in six where John Morant hardly played, but yet Memphis has shown that they can win basketballs even without Morant. Well, you know, you look at the blueprint to beat the Golden State Warriors. Who has played them tougher so far this year in the playoffs? And it's been Memphis, because Memphis is a very physical basketball team. That's why their series went to six. Even with uh, John Morant being out, they still have a league here in Golden State. So I think the Celtics are a much more physical basketball team. Uh, I think they're a smarter basketball team than Memphis. That's why I think this is going to be really a very tight series. And, you know, it's, again, it's, it's incumbent upon Golden State to get, off the, get out the box early and win that first game because you don't want the Celtics getting that much more confident coming off of a tough series with, like Miami. The Celtics did, had to play tough games all, all along. And I love what Emil Doka said, the head coach. He said, the Celtics aren't dodging anybody. He said, people say, oh, you can't play Brooklyn in the first round. Well, you played Brooklyn. Then you played, you played the defending champs of Milwaukee. Then you turn around and you played the Miami Heat team, uh, you know, that had home court advantage. So I think the Celtics are, are geared up to play, you know, a great series. Yes, Cedric Maxwell. Former great Celtic. I'll ask you, a lot of people have questioned the shot selection of Jimmy Butler with 20 seconds to go. Why did he take a three uh, instead of going for two? Uh, And my answer to that is he makes that shot. We're not even talking about it. Yeah, I mean, he, he, at this point, he deserved to take any shot he wanted to. Right. The one here in Miami. And you come down and you take that shot. You live and die with it. You know, the Celtics had that game one, and then all of a sudden, you know, my week, the Celtics missed some shots, and then Miami gets back in it, and they have an opportunity. And what Jimmy Butler was doing, he was going for the juggler. And and at that point, I, I, I did not uh, – I didn't think it was a bad shot at all. No, neither did I. Uh, I thought he scored 82 points the last two games in that series. You're going to question his shot selection? Really? Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, – he, he was unreal. He probably played in, in game six in Boston, probably played one of the best playoff games I'd ever seen, uh, broadcasting or playing. He was just that dominant. He played, what, 47 minutes when he had 47 points, uh, you know, almost a triple-double steals. I mean, he just controlled the flow of that game, and he would not let Miami lose in Boston. That was just an unbelievable performance. Hey, Max, you, you, you look at these two teams. You got one franchise that's going to the finals, what, the sixth time in, in eight years or nine years. You got another one that hasn't been to the finals 
uh, for 12 years. So experience favors Golden State. Uh, they've played, their roster has played 123 playoff games. The Celtic uh, roster basically is void of going to the finals. They haven't gone. So on experience, you got to favor Golden State. Yeah, I mean, Golden State, from an experience standpoint, I think that, you know, yeah, you're going to give them the advantage. But from a, a standpoint of being physical, being smart, being tough, I like the Celtics. I, I really, it's not because I'm, I'm, I'm broadcasting for the team, but I like them because their defense travels. And the thing that happens in NBA games in the playoffs, you know, some of the, the pretty quick stuff that Golden State's able to do, you, you slow that down. You bang people around. Marcus Smart is not going to take any any prisoners at all. And there's going to probably be, if there's a villain in this series for the Celtics, it's probably going to be Marcus Smart because he rolled on the ankle of Steph Curry and kept him out for a while. And then it's going to be Draymond Green on the other side. So there might be some villains in this mix. But if you think about it, both teams are teams which are well-liked teams with their players. And so that's why I think it's going to be a, a very good series. You got Steve Carr on one side, a guy that's won championships. Of course, he played for Phil Jackson. He played for Popovich. So he's played for some really good coaches that understand. And he, in turn, you know, people forget he was handed a pretty strong locker room when Mark Jackson left. And I'm that to that end, I'm surprised Mark Jackson isn't coaching some team, you know, going forward. I think it's a travesty that Mark Jackson hasn't been given a team. Uh, you know, I think that he should have had his choice of many teams since he's been out. And I've had a chance to talk to him. And, uh, you know, and we just kind of laugh about it. But he understands maybe it's just not his time. But this guy really, from from a X's and O's standpoint, he made Golden State what they were with Clay Thompson, with Steph Curry, with that uh, whole dub nation. He was the one that kind of started that thing. So you look at these at these two rosters. You got Curry and Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, Wiggins I've mentioned already. Let's not forget Poole. Let's not forget Gary Payton the second. I mean, he's he's ready and able to play. So he gives them a pretty deep bench. Yeah, I mean, they, they have a deep bench, but I think if you look at the Celtics, I think if you look at Grant Williams coming off, you look at Pritchard coming off, I mean, Daniel Tice didn't even play in the last series. So I think the Celtics are, are capable of matching what Golden State's able to do. One advantage the Celtics are going to have, I think, is going to be length when you have Tatum and Brown. One at about six nine, the other one about six eight, and I think that you know they they're going to give Clay Thompson, they're going to give him the they could give him the blues, and where's Andrew Wiggins lined up? And you know is it is it that time for Andrew Wiggins where he's almost been an enigma in his league? You know, drafted first in this drafted first many years ago, and you know the Minnesota team that struggled with their franchise decided to get rid of the number one player that they took in the draft, something didn't connect there. So is it Wiggins' time now? I think you, you say that. I would suggest to you, Max, that look, when you, Ime Udoka did a heck of a job uh, when the roster finally adjusted to him and him to the roster. I don't look at him, and you know him better than I do, obviously. I don't look at him as a guy that's going to be intimidated. Uh, by, by by going up against a Warrior team with all their experience and their array of shooters. 
he has proven, at least to me, uh, he knows what he's doing. But uh, you know, as a head coach, he didn't just move one one seat from to the right when he when he left the Nets. I mean, he he embarrassed the Nets and and out coached uh, Steve Nash. In my opinion, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Yeah, I think that if you look at Ime, you know, you talk about Steve Kerr winning championships. Well, you, you think of where he was. Ime was under the master himself. You know, Greg Popovich, where he was down there, won championships, and he learned so much from Greg. And he tells these, he, he tells a fast, he told me a fascinating story, and he talked about uh, Greg Popovich and just his ability to get on his best players. And I think that's what Ime has done. He talked about how Greg Popovich would sometimes get a tape, and he would start out with Timmy, go with Manu, and then end up with Tony Parker. And to the point that Tony Parker started to cry. And uh, he may like, and he may say he was immune to that. But Greg Popovich always challenged his best players. And then because of that, everybody else kind of fell in line. Well, he may has done the same thing with Brown and Tatum and Smart. He has a relationship. He said, look, I have to be able to get on you guys. And you have to be able to accept that. And then everybody else is going to follow suit. And now because of that, He's able to you see him go out in the middle of the floor and throw his hands up when a player makes a mistake. And nobody really looks at it like, you know, they're being scolded, but they're just trying to win. Let me ask you this. You've been in this situation before. You understand it. So uh, I, the Warriors have had more time off since they since they beat Dallas. Which is better, rust or rest? Hmm. I, I mean, I played in several seven-game series. Uh, in 1981, played against Philadelphia, seven-game series. One that I think maybe the, the best series that, you know, nobody talks about, uh, Philadelphia and Boston, 1981, seven games, and then went on to play Houston and beat them. Uh, the New York Knicks with Bernard King in 1984, seven-game series, a grueling seven-game series, and then we played the Lakers and then went on to beat them. So, I, I think that seven-game series, you, you would love to have the rest. You love, but you can have, sometimes you can have too much rest. And then sometimes you think about it, the NBA bodies are are built to play sometimes on the second night of a back-to-back, which there is no second night of a back-to-back. But they're always built to play in these situations where they their body can recover after after a day of rest. So I, I, I would, you would love to be a little bit more rested, but at the same time, I think, you know, it, it part of it is just overshadowed. Warriors have the first two games in their building. Uh, they've earned it. They actually won two games more than the Celtics during the regular year. So now they play tomorrow night. Then they don't play again until Sunday, which is interesting. I mean, both uh, both rosters are used to playing every other night. So now you got a cup, an extra day off between games one and two, and then it's three games, uh, three days later before they play game one in Boston, which would be game three overall. You know what it's like. You, if you're the road team, if you can get one of the first two games, you're ahead of the game because now the home court advantage has changed. Yeah, yeah. You you would think that that is the case, and it, and it normally has worked out like that. But in these NBA playoffs this year. It has a, it's, it's kind of switched. What happened to the seventh game in Phoenix? Phoenix and, and, and Dallas. You know, you look at the sixth game that the Boston Boston Celtics had. They were playing at home 
to close out Miami. They lose that game and go back down to Miami and win game seven there. So I'm not sure about this home court advantage that people have been talking about. It's been uh, highly, highly uh, just, just talked about too much or too much emphasis has been put on it, the way these games have been played. Is that more recent or for all time? I mean, home court advantage. No, I, think, I think more recent when you think about games of the play. Uh, 84, yeah, we broke the code and, and beat the Lakers uh, in, in L.A. And, you know, then the home court advantage. We got the, they got the home court advantage from us. We came back and, and took it. And then we had the seventh game in Boston, which was probably critical for us. So I, I think that it in the in the recent years i think things have kind of changed and the home court advantage isn't what it used to be partly because of uh maybe just the flying uh, you know your travel because everybody now is on a, a private jet they stay at great places and sometimes being at home to me howard can be a little bit more di- distractions going into it gotta get your wives your girlfriends your kids you know, all the people are here around you, data boys and all that stuff. Whereas you're on the road, it's you and your teammates against the world. And sometimes you can be a lot more focused. Yeah, well, you don't want your wives and your girlfriends in the same building either, right? Oh. <laughs> oh. Well, you must, you must be talking about some of the old guys that we do back in the day. That might be one of the Milwaukee things. Uh, when you, you, uh, look, I'm, I'm beginning of these playoffs. I said, there's a very good likelihood you could see a rematch of last year with Phoenix and Milwaukee. Obviously, it didn't happen. But if I said to you, Cedric Maxwell, the biggest shock that I've witnessed in recent times was Phoenix not, they're up two games to none and then win one of the last five. And not only that, I mean, not, they got blown out a lot more than just lost. Yeah, they, they, they pretty much imploded. And it was, it was, almost, it was almost sad to see it. And you don't blame one person, but, you know, when you, you think about dominating the games over the years, you know, it one guy kind of comes to mind of, of just being the leader of that Phoenix team and being the, you know, being the Chris Paul, one of the best point guards around. He was playing well and all of a sudden turned 37 and it's like he fell off a, fell off a cliff. And, and let, like today, it's like, you, you know, it's like, the, like he was, like Cinderella and, the, you know, the, the slipper, you know, all of a sudden, wow, it became, you know, you had this gold, this great slipper on, then you, you became a pumpkin again. So I, it's, it's, it was just really hard to watch and, and almost unbelievable when you think about Phoenix, the way they were playing, and you just assumed that they were going to beat Dallas at home. And then they get blown out the way they did. They were down by 35, almost 40 points at one time in that game. Right. It's crazy. Yeah, it is. No question. He's Cedric Maxwell, Celtics Radio. Let's uh, let's talk about some news that has happened in the NBA in recent days. The Lakers hired Darvin Ham uh, from an assistant's job with Milwaukee to the head coach with the Lakers. Uh, Terry Stotts' name was mentioned uh, Kenny Atkinson's name was mentioned, and early on in the process, yeah, Mark Jackson's name was mentioned. Uh, look, Darvin Ham comes with a lot of uh, support from players and coaches around the league. A lot of people thought this was a good hire um, by the Lakers, but there's a lot of work to do with that franchise, as you well know. Well, I, I talked to Darvin Ham uh, during the uh, 
Boston-Milwaukee series. And I said, boy, don't you take that job? (laughs) 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 And we both laughed. And uh, but he did tell me, which was he said, he said, Max, the only thing that, you know, was confusing to him about it was there did not seem to be one clear voice. Hmm. He said he was talking to seven or eight people about taking the head coaching job. And that to me, that's that's the Lakers are going to have to clear clean that up. There has to be one guy who's like Brad Stevens is the guy who is hiring. And that's the person you talk to. But he said, look, I talked to Kurt Rambis, talked to Phil Jackson, I talked to this person, that person. So he said there, there just wasn't a clear chain of command. And maybe with him being there, maybe that's where he'll get straightened out. But, boy, that is tough to do being the first, first-time first head coach in the NBA of, you know, the, the personalities that you're going to have to deal with the legendary franchise you're going to have to deal with. And more than that, just the your your best player, one of the best players ever to play, is damn near 40 years old. So you that, and Father Time, as you and I both know, he, he's undefeated. He, he's undefeated. And everybody said LeBron had a great year last year. I think he had a great scoring year. He did score. But from a, a year standpoint, no. LeBron was hard at times. Defensively, mm-hmm. every time he turned the ball over, however, we saw him, and, and you can see brains. He turned the ball over, and he jogged back defensively. That wasn't LeBron James that we've known over the years, but I think that's because of the legs of going. Look, when Frank Vogel got fired, I thought first of all the way they did it was terrible. I mean, that, I mean, you fire the guy on the phone. I mean, where's your class? And first of all, I didn't think he was the culprit. I think you look at the general manager, Rob Palinka, and then you realize it's not Palinka making these decisions. It's Phil Jackson. It's uh, the, the Rambuses. I mean, it's like six different voices. You're right. You can't, uh, by, you can't do this by committee. There's got to be one voice, and there wasn't. Yeah, there, need, there needs to be one voice, but you, you add in that. You say Rob, but you also say LeBron. LeBron and AD. You didn't make that move of getting rid of some of your best young talent. You till you did it and you won a championship, you know, bravo to. But look at the guys that you lost that have gone on to play elsewhere. Brandon Ingram's of the world. Kyle Kuzma's of the world. These were young players that the Lakers had to build French their franchise. Now they have no draft picks. They have no salary cap room. And they have some some older players. So, I mean, they, 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 I think for them to win their championship, it's like they sold their soul to the devil. And um, the devil right now needs to get paid. Well, I would be surprised, not shocked, if Russell Westbrook was a member of the Lakers next year. I think it's got to start and stop with that. The question is between his. Howard, where, Howard, where the hell is he going? Well, that's he's right. Gonna be, he's going to be making forty-six million. He's going. I heard he's going to be the second or third highest-paid player in the NBA. Is is from a, you know, he's a, you know, he's a walking quadruple double, where he might get you ten, 10 points, ten rebounds, ten assists, but he, he might have ten turnovers. And in the new NBA, you have to, as a point guard, you have to be able to knock down jump shots and three-point shots. 
and he was one of he was at the bottom of the list in shooting three. Mm-hmm. So that's just a just not a good combination. And who is going to take on that salary? Right. You keep saying, well, he might leave. Where, where is he going? I mean, you you name the team, you give me the team that's going to take it. I mean, at one point they wanted to give him to uh, Houston with John Wall, and Houston said, "No thanks, we're good." Well, what we have, they have one of the worst teams around. So I just, I'm I'm very curious to see who's going to take that deal if you don't have Anthony Davis included in it. Well, you're right. And and that's the other problem. Anthony Davis, if you're lucky, is going to play 60 games in a season. That's just not good enough. Well, well, Charles Barkley called him street clothes. That's (laughs) me, one of the best names, I think, nicknames I think I've ever heard of a playing big being given street clothes because he's always in street clothes and not playing in games, but he's just been snake bit. And I'm not sh- you know, we can look at and say, yeah, if he's healthy, he might be one of the top ten players in the NBA, maybe one of the top five. But, you know, he's been snake bitten with health. Well, let's talk about another guy, uh, in Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving has got an option to to opt in. Uh, he opts in. He's he's guaranteed for this year coming up. But I can't see the Nets investing a ton of money on this guy. I I, I would be surprised if they if they gave him a max deal. Wow. I, I mean, they're they're again they're in a rock and a hard place. Where do you go? Who do you look at? I mean, he is arguably, and we can say this. And I've said this many times before. The best offensive guards has ever put on tennis shoes with the Boston Celtics. That would be Kyrie Irving. I mean, he can be a ma- he can be a magician offensively. Sometimes he struggles defensively, but man, that there's never been anybody his size that's been so dominant. You know, uh, uh, getting the ball to the rim, shooting a jump shot, uh, creating. But he's just a different dude. And who's who wants to take on different now? That's going to be the question. Are the Nets in the point where they want to take on different? You know, and here from Kyrie, he says, well, you know, we have to get this thing together and myself and Kevin. And then he said, he talked about the owner, Joe, and then uh, somebody else he talked about, we're going to have to get this thing together. I'm like, where's this, where's this we shit come from? I'm I'm trying to figure this thing out, right? (laughs) We, we, I mean, you've been around a long time. How we? We, we, Mr. I mean, what, what are you talking about there? I don't know. Hey, long time in this league tells me that no, 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 not one thing that you say won't happen. I mean, I'll go back to when I was broadcasting the Nets games back in the day, and they had a guard named Lester Connor, if you remember him. Yeah, uh, Lester, my guy. Yeah, well, Lester Connor uh, was, had a contract that everybody said, well, you can't trade him and all of that. And I said, get out of here. Everybody is wanted by somebody. And as much as Kyrie Irving has been a pain in the butt in Cleveland, in Boston, and now in Brooklyn, somebody out there wants him. I mean, there's there's so many things he can do offensively. Do you use him as the base of your franchise? He has been a, 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 a guy who has always been under the radar, giving money, supporting different causes without having his name in it, and he's just a different dude. He's just really, really different. And, and how do you turn that into, you know, a winning culture? 
I mean, if, if Kyrie is made statements like, well, I'm not built to play 82 games. Well, what the hell the rest of us doing then? <laughs> we, we, I mean, the other other guys, well, you're not built and we are? You know, so I, it's it's going to take that if the Nets do it, maybe the Nets do it, but they do it with a, a caveat. Maybe they say, okay, yeah, we'll have you, but we'll give you two years, two max years, or we you know, something is going to be, we'll have an option. But uh, they, they, have a, they have a big decision to make. And then they're going to have to talk to Kevin Durant about that. Because is Kevin, is Kevin tired of that right now? Or is that still his brother in arms? No, I get what you're saying. And you're right. Before I let you go, game one tomorrow night, Boston, Golden State. How critical is game one for both teams? And who's it more critical to? Oh, it's more critical to Golden State. You know, everybody already, you know, as uh, what's our guy Green said, you know, why don't you crown, crown, crown the ass the champions already? <laughs> I love that line. I love the football coach did that. But I think it's, you know, more incumbent for them to get out and play well and show the league, hey, this is us. You know, I, 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 Stephen A. Smith was doing a stand up with ESPN after the, uh, after the Celtics beat Miami. And he was so critical of Marcus Smart, this, that, the other. And I heard him over there. And I just ran into his live shot and just bumped into him. I'm like, how about them damn Celtics? And, <laughs> and he just, and he just kind of, we both laughed. And, and they talked about that on ESPN. But it is, um, it's just, it's just funny how people have, you know, almost, uh, kind of written this off like this. So Golden State has to be the team right now under the pressure for the first game of this series. So you like Boston in how many games? Six. I'm with you. I'm with you. A lot of people are saying it's Golden State and it's going to go the distance. I don't think it's going to go the distance. I really don't. That's just a gut feeling. Isn't that funny, though? And that's how I felt before with Milwaukee. That's how I felt before with Miami. I thought it was going to go five. And then it turned out that Celtics, you know, kind of laid the egg at home and it went seven in both those series. And the thing that I, is most impressive thing about the Celtics, Howard, is the fact that the seven games that they, the, the games they've won, they go to Mil, they're down to Milwaukee. Milwaukee breaks back and has you down three, two, going back to their building, back to their building, the world champions. And you go in there and you beat them in Milwaukee. Then you turn around, you got to beat Milwaukee again at home. You do that. Then you have Miami and you have a sixth game against them in Boston where you were, you know, you were supposed to win that game. Jimmy Butler plays the game of his life. You lose. Now you got to go back to Miami and beat them for the seventh game. So somehow that experience that the Celtics had. If it's going to come back, I think it's going to pay dividends. Okay, the more important question is where are you going to break bread tonight? Uh, my goodness. There's several places around here that, that I, I love. They have a restaurant. Uh, uh, they have an Indian restaurant. I'm thinking about going there today. I'm not big on Indian food, but I think I'm going to try it. It, it looks like uh, I read some reviews on it. So now I don't even know what I'm going to order before you say that, but I know you probably know better than me, but I think I might try Indian food tonight. No, the one word about Indian food, heartburn. <laughs> <laughs>
My man, you stay safe, all right? Enjoy the series. All right. Take it easy, buddy. He is Cedric Maxwell, my main man. Love that guy. I really do. He's the best. He's the best. He he is a guy that is doing what he should be doing with his life. Calling Celtics basketball. Knows more about the Celtics history than just about anybody else. I'm going to shift gears to the other side of the court. I'm going to talk to the voice of the Warriors next. Hello. And there he is, Mr. Tim Roy. How are you today, sir? I am good. I'm good. Busy, busy, but good. And it's it's great to be busy as we head into gym. So. All right. So now I ask you that I, I'm going to pass this on to Cedric Maxwell. He's staying in San Francisco at the Four Seasons. I, I said, well, so where are you going to go break bread tonight? And he mentioned some Indian restaurant. I said, not for me. That's too much heartburn for me. So give him a suggestion. Where should he eat? Um, suggestions for, for meals. I mean, you can go into, um, uh, you can find great Italian anywhere. But I, I, I think it's, it's the NBA Finals you should celebrate. Go to the House of Prime Rib and, and just have them bring that card up to your table and, and – and they carved the prime rib for you right there. It's it's just a great, great old San Francisco tradition. So now I'm looking at Golden State in Boston. See, Golden State had their way with Denver. Uh, they held on against Memphis. Even without John Morant, they gave a fight. And then Dallas, uh, I, I just didn't think it was going to be a series, and it turned out not to be one. But having said that, before the playoffs started, most people said, well, you might be not surprised if it's Phoenix and Milwaukee in a rematch. Obviously, it didn't turn out that way. But the Phoenix, what happened to them, nobody in their right mind could have suggested that Phoenix would be that humiliated after leading two games to none. Yeah, you know, that was a, that was kind of a shocker. And, you know, it's, 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 uh, it shows you, again, and we've talked about this, just how hard it is to get to an NBA Finals. It just, it's really hard the teams are so good and they're so balanced that you know if you have one you know phoenix had one bad night and you know they they lost that they were up 2-0 in the finals the year before it's really hard to close teams out and i think that's what we saw you know with with phoenix it's just it's just a hard thing to do and and uh, and so it, and you know the other thing that is a dangerous thing for teams to think about is that Everybody always says, well, they'll be back. Well, you, you never know. You never know if they'll be, they'll be back. Remember, we all said that about Oklahoma City when they lost to Miami. And they had Durant, and they had Westbrook, and they had James Harden. Well, Harden wanted to be paid as, a, as the number one guy, and, and Oklahoma City wouldn't do it. So they trade him, and they never get back to the finals. So it's really it's, it's a cautionary tale, if you will, because it's very, very hard to get this far. Yet, by contrast, here's Boston that uh, that sweeps Brooklyn in a series that was not as one-sided as you would think in a 4-0 series. I mean, game one could have gone the other way very easily. Just a missed defensive assignment at the end. Uh, you look at Golden State leading the NBA in playoff scoring at 116 a game. But having said that, I think it's fair to say, Tim, that the Warriors are a very underrated defensive team. Question about it. You know, everybody's talking about how great the Celtic defense is, and it is great. And it is a problem for Golden State. Boston is their worst matchup league wide 
I believe the Celtics are the only team that has a winning record against the Warriors since Steve Kerr took over as a head coach. Now, granted, it's a small sample size, two games a year, but still, uh, they give the Warriors fits. But think about this. Golden State had the second-best defensive rating in the league. And if I say, well, because Draymond. Well, Draymond played 46 games. 46 games. So they are a much better defensive team than I think people are giving them credit for. And and I, I'm looking forward to that part of of this series, that part of the challenge. Is I, I think it's going to be a real fun series to watch these two teams and what they come up with, you know, to battle each other. Well, here's a Golden State team that uh, completely dominates the experience factor. Their roster is played in 123 playoff games, 123 finals playoff game. The Celtics haven't been in the finals in 12 years. Advantage, Golden State. But having said that, uh, let me ask you what seems to me an obvious question. Here's Boston that comes off a rigorous series against Miami. Golden State dusted off uh, Dallas and had extra time to rest. So which is more advantageous, to be rested or rusted? Well, in, in a normal situation, I think I would be a little concerned if I was the Warriors with that time off, in a normal situation. I think in this case, it works to their advantage twofold. One is, it's always tough, and we saw this with Dallas too, it's tough mentally to come off that game seven. That's a, that's a pressure cooker, and, and it's, you know, you're, you're really tight, and it's, it's, it's a tough one to come off of. But and for the Warriors, I think because their core has gone through the spectacle that is the NBA Finals and all the, you know, foreign press that shows up and the practices are different. It's so different than any other playoff series. The Warriors have been through this before, so they know what's coming, at least their core has. They can prepare their younger players for what's ahead. And then the 2A part of that answer is they've also got some some interesting pieces who are getting healthier because they've had this extra week. Otto Porter Jr., Gary Payton II, Andre Iguodala, they all participated in practice yesterday, and I think all three could play a role in in the finals. Sixth uh, finals in eight years for Golden State. Uh, Steve Kerr and his crowd have won three titles. Uh, You you look at, and I mentioned before about the defense. Uh, Let's be specific. Uh, Obviously, the biggest concern for Golden State is Jason Tatum. So am I looking at Wiggins having the lion's share of the defensive assignments? Yeah, I think Wiggins will be a guy that, that will be uh, probably get the assignment of more than likely of, of, of guarding, uh, trying to guard, trying to slow down uh, uh, Tatum. And I think you'll probably see, you know, maybe Gary Payton on him at times, maybe even an Andre Godala. Uh, you know, so I think they'll, when, when Wiggins is off the floor, I think they'll mix it up a little bit. But I think Wiggins will get the lion's share there. And then as far as Brown goes, I think you'll probably see Clay Thompson start on him and then maybe adjust a little bit later on. That more than likely leaves Curry on Marcus Smart, and I think that's a matchup that they can uh, they can live with. Curry on Marcus Smart, but Marcus Smart on Curry, too, at the other end. Yeah, that's, that's the other that You've got to find ways to get Curry some space, find some ways to get easy buckets. Boston likes to – I think the Warriors run on Boston. I think they have to run to early offense. It's not allowed to set up that defense, and I, I think they can do that. I think they can um, 
they can make that work somehow. But they, again, I think for the Warriors, they really have to be mindful of trying to get easy buckets. The more easy buckets they get, uh, the better off they're going to be. If they if they're walking the ball up the floor and going against that defense in the half court for most of the night, it's going to be it's going to be a real real grinder of a game and a real grinder of the series. Uh, they really need to get out and run. He's Tim Roy, the voice of the Golden State Warriors. In the Milwaukee series for Boston, uh, there was a height advantage for the uh, for the Bucks, no question. So the Celtics resorted to knocking down threes, and boy, did they knock down threes. Uh, look, I mean, the obvious key for Milwaukee, they didn't have Middleton, and that was a big deal. Every year when you get this far, you know, there's always something. You know, there's always... A- you know, look at Miami. I'm sure if you're Miami, you would go back and, and say, hey, you know, we're, we were healthy. We really like our chances in that series, but they weren't healthy. Boston wasn't healthy at the beginning of that series. So it's really, you know, teams are banged up. You know, it's a long season. And, and you know, every year, uh, you know, something happens. When the Warriors won in 2014, 2015, Kyrie Irving and Love were, you know, injured. When the Warriors lost in 2019, Clay Thompson got hurt in the series. Kevin Durant was injured, didn't play until game five, and then got hurt in that game. So there's always some kind of an injury component, you know, about uh, about a season. You know, every, every year, I think, begins and ends with health. You mm-hmm. know, how healthy are you? How injured are you as, as a team in any sport? I think that's, that's part of the equation you have to factor in. So where is Draymond Green? He's obviously an excellent defensive player. What is he looking to do? defensively defensively he's looking to to be a guy that's gonna um you know he'll probably well he might get out probably get all horford to start and he's going to be looking to help as he does uh the the uh thing draymond has to watch out for is over helping is is trying to help when help's not needed and and so um but but he's such a smart defender that's what that's what makes him separates him. Not only the, the great desire you see that, and it boils over in his passion, which sometimes can be his undoing, but his his incredible IQ. I mean, he will know uh, when he's going and rotating. He knows who the shooters are. He knows automatically who he needs to close out to and who he doesn't, who they're going to leave open and dare to shoot. So, you know, a lot of guys will instinctively just close out to a player. Draymond never does that. He understands who's on the floor and and uh, and and the type of player he's playing against. He's an incredibly smart guy. And when he's on his game, when he's playing really well and he's aggressive offensively, uh, the Warriors are really difficult uh, to be at that point. He's Tim Roy, voice of the uh, Warriors. You know, it's been 50, I mean, 30, 58 years since the Warriors, when they were in San Francisco, they are in San Francisco now, when they were called the San Francisco Warriors, when they played the Celtics, that's Wilt against Russell. And people that love NBA history, man, <laughs> that was, it was, Bill Russell had a lot more around him, I would suggest, at that time. But now, the, the game has changed so much. The Warriors are an excellent three-point shooting team. The Celtics are an excellent three-point shooting team. We conceivably, Tim, could see records being set for most threes attempted in this series. Quite possibly. You know, that's the way the game has gone on these two teams. The, the Warriors will have a way of, of uh, if Boston tries to take away their threes, 
Warriors have a way of getting to the mid-range. They also get to the rim a lot. That's where Robert Williams is going to come into play here. He's a legitimate shot blocker. Uh, they saw that in the Memphis series going up against Aaron Jackson Jr. and Steve Adams. They didn't see it in the Dallas series. They're going to see it again now. So I wouldn't be shocked if you see the Warriors take uh, mid-range jump shots if they're given those because they've gotten to the point now where a lot of teams will run them off the three-point line, and Steve Kerr is perfectly fine with, you know, Thompson, Wiggins, uh, Curry, all those guys taking, you know, a wide-open 15-footer. He has no problem with that. And so uh, don't be shocked if that, that kind of creeps into this series as well because Boston has rim protection, and they're going to be very conscious of the Warriors' uh, three-point shooting. Tim, let me ask you this. Steve Kerr has, you know, been, has won three titles. They're going in their six finals in eight years. Experience is a big deal, certainly. Ime Udoka has no experience in an NBA final as a head coach. Is that a significant advantage? You know, I, you, you'd like to think so. Uh, that maybe, and it's not necessarily, once the game starts, I think, you know, you're, you are who you are. But, um, but I think in handling all the other things, it's the distractions of the, of the series that can get to you, can wear you down mentally a little bit. And I think that's where Steve is, you know, very cognizant of, you know, uh, that he's going to have to do a lot of interviews. He's going to have to meet with the TV guys. He's going to probably have to do an interview with the national radio guys. So he's understanding of, you know, balancing his time. That part of the part of the equation is where Steve, I think, has the huge advantage. Like once the game starts and they start coaching against each other, they are who they are. And you mentioned coaching. You go back to that series in 1964, and a guy who I think is one of the most underrated coaches of all time was coaching the Warriors that year. That's Alex Hannum. Mm-hmm. Alex Hannum had been in the military, and he would he's the one coach I thought that really knew how to to work with Will Chamberlain. And he got Will Chamberlain to lead the league in assists in 66-67 when he was coaching Philadelphia. And you and he also was not scared of Red Auerbach and the Celtics. He was not going to back down to them in any way, shape, or form because he's the only coach that broke up that Celtic string. He coached the St. Louis Hawks with Bob Pettit when they won in the 50s. And then when the 66-67 Philadelphia 76ers coached by Alex Hannum. He's, I, I think he's an incredible coach that nobody really talks about anymore. If you're Boston, the, the goal is to split the first two games and then go back to Boston with now you to have the home court advantage. Uh, and, and to that end, here are the Warriors. Uh, they're not stupid. They're going to figure out the same thing. We need to defend home court. We need to go two up to, before we even go to Boston. That would seem to be the goal. But, uh, you know, you, you make a shot here, you miss a shot here, turn the ball over here. And having said that, when Marcus Smart was down early on in the playoffs, Jason Tatum had to handle the ball a lot. And he, was, he turned the ball over frequently. The Celtics, you know, cannot let that happen. They've got to keep Marcus Smart on the floor to initiate the offense. Yeah, that's that's one area where the Warriors can really try to make them pay for that. Is try to get the ball out of Smart's hands and and make those other guys into you know handling the ball multiple times. And you know, I think that I think if if you know battle is going to have a nice advantage in this series and the Warriors have been known to throw the ball a little bit around the gym they can't afford to do that in the NBA finals and so um, I think again whoever is on top of that 
I think we'll have a real chance to to uh, to win this series because both these teams can can really you know cut your heart out with, by you know scoring off turnovers, and so I think that's a concern for both teams. Uh, yeah, I noticed in the schedule, Tim, uh, with game one being tomorrow, and then the series doesn't resume until Sunday, and then back to Boston the following Wednesday. So there's extra days which we haven't seen to this point. Is this because it's going coast to coast? Yeah, I think that's part of it. I think they um, they they wanted to uh, give the players more time. I think the players and the coaches were kind of like, hey, you know, you're asking us to do all this stuff, and you know, you're giving us like one day to to come back and prepare. It, that's hard when you're flying, you know, six hours. You know, the one thing the Warriors did not want to do in Game Five against Dallas was. You know, they really didn't want to get back on the plane. It's a three-and-a-half-hour flight or three-hour flight to Dallas, depending on which way you're going. And and that's that's the grind part of it, is getting on those planes and flying halfway across the country. Uh, I You know, I kid sometimes with the, the – sometimes the NBA, I, I don't think, understands Western geography. You know, they'll <laughs> say, well, you're in the same time zone, but, but you know, a San Antonio, Minnesota back-to-back is not an easy back-to-back. Right. So, so I think um, – I, I think that's why they do it. They they want to see better a better quality, you know, a ball, and I think they get that that way. And as long as the TV people are happy with it, then it, it's all good. He's Tim Roy, the longtime radio voice, of the Golden State Warriors. So the Lakers made news by hiring Darvin Ham as their new head coach uh, after a lot of discussion about Terry Stotts, uh, Kenny Atkinson, and even early on in the process, Mark Jackson, the former Warriors head coach. Were you surprised by the hiring of Darvin Ham, who apparently is getting a lot of support from a lot of people in the league? Yeah, no, I, I, I think he's been a name that has been coming up a, a lot lately, and, and um, I think people are recognizing that he's, you know, he's put in the dues. He's, he's worked with some really good coaches, so he's had some good tutoring, and, and um, so I, I wasn't totally shocked when I saw his name out there. And I think you know, what they, what you know, any team needs is a, is a guy that can can relate to the players he's coaching. And I think, you know, Darvin Ham is, is close enough uh, from his playing day. So he understands, you know, what those players are going through. And I think that's a, that's a key for, for any team. And I think that's what, you know, Los Angeles was apparently looking for. But as you well know, uh, people would say <clears throat> to Darvin Ham, do you really want that job? And the answer is obviously yes, because you want to be a head coach, but it's a job that comes with an awful lot of work. That needs to be done. They don't have a, a number one pick until 2027. Cap-wise, they're hamstrung. Uh, what do you do with Russell Westbrook? Uh, is Anthony Davis on the block? I mean, the guys play 60 games a year if you're lucky. And then let's be honest, uh, LeBron James, 38 years old. As great as he is, you know, eventually the road does come to an end. You know, it, it, it does. It, it hasn't shown that it's coming to an end for him just yet, but uh, it will. And, you know, Father Time is undefeated, as we know. Yeah, there's a lot of work to do. But the, the bottom line when, when you see a coach take a job, you go, why would he take that job? And Well, in, in the NBA, there's only 30 of them. So there's only 30 of those head coaching jobs. And if you say no, you know, maybe you don't get that chance again. You know, he's he's never been a head coach in the NBA. So... I think he was in a position where he had to say yes to that job, no matter what potential obstacles are there. I think he, he had to do it. And, and he has a chance to make his own mark 
on on uh, basketball history, on on the history of that franchise, and and so I, I think it's an opportunity for him that he just just couldn't pass up. When you when you look at other teams around the league, look, uh, Brooklyn had their issues. Obviously, Kyrie Irving can opt in. Uh, if he does, then they'll pay him for one year. But I don't see Tim. To be honest with you, I don't see the Brooklyn Nets giving him a max deal. Do you? I I I don't know. I don't know what uh, Sean Marks has in mind for that. Um, you know, I think when you give a max deal, you have to be. I think you have to be convinced of that thing, not only for you know that player to keep being engaged but also it's the best thing for your franchise those are i think the two questions it's got to be great for the player it's got you know he you want him to be happy to be a disgruntled employee so and then number two is this the best move for your franchise and and so when you sign a guy to a max contract that that those to me that's always has to be the two you know big criteria and so uh, if if they're looking at you know going in a different direction, maybe they don't offer him the match. But if they're convinced that if you know having Kyrie and KD, you know as their two cornerstones, that they're you know and they, let's face it, you know they as you said very easily uh, that series could be you know two two going to game five, you know and so instead of, instead of a sweep, so uh, so I you know if they if they think they're close, I think they they probably will go ahead and do that. Um, you can look around this league. There's going to be a number of players with big names that either are going to wind up shifting, uh, changing uniforms, or they're going to be talked about a lot. I mean, I mentioned Irving. Uh, I'm not sure about where James Harden is going into next year. Is he still with Philadelphia? I'm not sure where Bradley Beal is, despite the fact he says he doesn't want to leave. Uh, I mean, what happens to Donovan Mitchell? What happens to Rudy Gobert? Uh, I mean, a lot of big names could be on the move. Well, and that's yeah. That goes back to your other question about signing a guy to a max contract. Well, one of the other reasons you might do that is you could say, okay, we'll sign him to the max, and if it doesn't work, we can flip him for somebody else who's looking to get on the move. You know, we can flip him for a Harden or a Beal or somebody like that. You know, and so who might be a better fit for our franchise? So that's also a factors into you know whether or not you uh, you sign a guy to that. But yeah, there. I think there, there's. The NBA has, has turned into this uh, incredibly year-round, you know, uh, venture. When I first got to the league, as you remember, uh, Howard, you know, you could you could probably, you know, take the months of July and if you weren't doing anything with summer league, and summer league wasn't a big deal back then, and you know, you could you know take the month of August off and really not worry about it. Maybe start gearing up back in mid-September now with player movement and all that you know the instant uh, you know knowledge of social social media you know it's almost like the NBA is 365 you know it, it, it just doesn't stop and and sometimes the off season is just as exciting as the the season itself with some of the moves that are made so yeah I expect the NBA will will kill the off season again I think the Warriors experience factor has influenced the uh, the uh, prognosticators. Most people are picking Golden State to win. Uh, some uh, have said seven-game series, six-game series maybe. Nobody thinks it's going to be a quick series in, in either direction. No, and, and, you know, I just, and I think the, the opinions are, are you know, uh, flip-flopping as we speak. You know, I saw this thing on, on ESPN this morning on SportsCenter that their power index has Boston winning with an 86 percentile, which is incredibly high. Hmm. Um, 
I, I think it's a I think it's a pick'em series to be honest with you because you know because of the fact that Boston is historically the worst matchup in the league for Golden State. You know this is this is a team that and, and they know it too. They have confidence playing against the Warriors, and not many teams come in with that kind of confidence. So I, I think it's going to be a tough series. I think it's going to be a great series, and I think it's going to be one. You know we might have we might be talking in another month or so about how this was a series. You know, for the ages, and and uh, but I, I like I like the Warriors' experience, and I like the fact that that Boston has never played this Warrior team, and by that I mean you know the Warriors really truly all came together health wise at the end of the year. Yeah, you, know, you hadn't seen this team with Steph, Draymond, Clay, Wiggins, Poole. They had not been all together all year long until the first round series against Denver. And if you remember, Steph was coming off an injury and came off the bench the first four games. And of course, me being the uh, smart ass that I am, <laughs> I uh, walked over to him in Denver and, and uh, at a, a team breakfast. And I said, Hey, Biddy Johnson called, he wants his microwave back. So, uh, <laughs> so and then Steph, Steph being the historian, he is. there's a couple of players I would have told that joke to that they, maybe they wouldn't get it, you know, but, uh, but Steph got that one immediately. He thought that was pretty fun. So. If you're Boston, pick your poison. You want to concern yeah. yourself with Curry, Clay Thompson. I mean, you're, you're, make, you're uh, designing the defense. Uh, I, I, just from my own opinion, I'd say the guy you want to take away is Clay Thompson because he's been on fire during these playoffs. And, and he's a guy that can literally carry you for a, a complete game. You know, and then if, when he gets hot, I don't care who's defending him. Unless you foul him, you're not going to be able to stop him for a quarter at a time because he has the most unshakable belief in his shooting ability. And occasionally that uh, manifests itself in a series of, you know, uh, head-scratching attempts. But when he see, I always think it's, it's, it's great when, when Clay gets a layup to start a game. Because when he sees the ball go through the basket, he's a different player, and um, he's an ex. I think really the I think the X factor for the Warriors in this series is going to be Wiggins. I think if Wiggins Wiggins could have a really good series, because mm-hmm. like you say, if you're trying to take away that shooting in the backcourt, you're going to have to give them something. And I think if Wiggins is the guy that's, you know, I think he's playing the best basketball of his life, and I, I think he could really be a key if 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 he gets it going offensively. And the Celtics now have to, you know, game plan for him uh, as they do uh, Steph and Clay. Then I think that's when you start to get a team and get their heads spinning. Hey, Tim, before I let you go, the new arena, phenomenal, beautiful arena. Any difference between the Oakland crowd and the San Francisco crowd? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a little bit of a difference. It's a it's a harder building to get to traffic wise. So, uh, and, and let's face it, you know, it's, it's a, uh, the uh, six o'clock starts don't help. You know, we have California traffic. And um, so, so there's that. Uh, it's a little bit different, you know, but I think it's really starting to find its, its footing. You know, we hadn't had a playoff series in the building till this year. And it's starting to get, you know, really loud like Oracle did. I don't think you'll ever have it as loud but just because Oracle was an older building that had a low ceiling and that noise hit that roof and came right back down on top of you and it came over you like a wave. But, uh, but I think this building is, is starting to get there. And I think it, it, 
Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to a loud series. I think both buildings will be incredibly loud, good, knowledgeable fan bases, you know, the, the fan bases that don't need the scoreboard to tell you when it's a big possession. You know, there are some places you go and, and they never chant defense unless it's on the scoreboard. These are not two fan bases that are like that. They know when a big possession is and, and they'll be ready. Now, you enjoy the series, Tim. It's, um, you know, it's a, always a, a dream of broadcasters, you know, to get into a big spot like the NBA Finals. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Uh, let's talk later on in the series and you stay safe. Thank you, Howard. I'm, I'm really lucky to have this opportunity again. Thank you, man. He is Tim Roy, longtime radio voice of the Golden State Warriors. I mean, I'm old enough to remember the Warriors when they had Rum DMZ. Uh, Chris Mullen, Tim Hardaway, Mitch Richmond. That was a fun team to watch. I mean, they would score on you like you weren't defending them. They didn't, they didn't win the ultimate crown, but... They had a very exciting team and a fun team to watch. This Warrior team is like that. Uh, They've been there before, and that's a big deal. If you've been there before, you know how to act. Does Boston have a chance? You bet your life they do. But he can't look away from the experience factor. He just can't. Warriors have that, and then some. Thanks for being a part of Howard David Live, and don't forget to stay safe. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.